0: sonicstate.com the very new podcast sonic Ta- sonic state sonic talk even 387 today uh, this is our new intro theme logo uh, which uh, animation by steve blacker please do check it out uh, there is a competition to win a whole bunch of stuff if you can uh, compose the new theme tune right i'm going to start quickly because we got a, we're a bit late because we've had a, a bit of a technical fun and games but it's going to be quite exciting i think so we'll go straight in um mark tinley over there marktinley.co.uk. how are you doing uh, sound artist and a creative thinker i'm very well thank you yeah Jolly very good well. i'm glad to hear it uh, I, uh, i'm trying to get through this quickly so that we can get yeah, to i will not say to, anything all I right can, and we've also got robbie go. bronneman there over at robot studios oh he's hidden oh no he's got oh he's got his christmas oh that's beautiful man
1: hey, look at
0: that that is awesome that looks like the sort of thing that you would wear at the uh, school, Fate, when they throw wet sponges at you. But I won't, yeah, I won't yeah. encourage that sort of thing in a studio. Robbie Bronham, of course, producer, um, uh, songwriter, uh, film composer, and um, studio owner. Right, and we'll go to uh, Rich Hilton, who's over there in the States. Rich, of course, plays uh, Keyboards with Chic and is Noel Rogers' studio guy. So uh, thank you very much for joining us, Rich. 1212, can thank you hear you. me? Excellent. Yep. And this is where it gets really exciting, because we now have, via the marvels of modern technology, Gaz Williams in Bristol, where he's doing a gig with his band, The Rumbelows. Hello. Hello, Gaz. Hey.
2: Hello, hello, hello. Is, uh, that, is that vocal level okay? That's that...
0: absolutely fine. I don't know how it all came Brilliant. together at the last minute. Where are, <laughs> what are you doing? You better explain what's going on, because uh, frankly, I have no idea.
2: Okay, uh, so here we are in the Cube Cinema in Bristol. This is a great alternative cinema. It's a really great place. They do gigs and stuff in here as well. Uh, We're going to be performing later this evening uh, a live soundtrack to the 60s classic surf film. I think I might have mentioned it on the show before. It's called The The Endless Summer. And it's a completely original soundtrack that we've written for it. We've uh, toured it around festivals and stuff. Um, But it's kind of a little bit ironic performing Endless Summer just a few days away from, like, the shortest day of the year. Yes. uh, so actually and I think the night the the night is being uh, promoted as Big Wednesday which is another serving film which is just just to confuse everybody
0: (laughs) so you're Uh, so is that your
2: uh, oh yeah introduce your band or whatever you introduce the band yes yeah so introducing the band over here on guitar lead guitar we've got Andy T and on the drums we've got James Slippy Chippy Slippy Chippy Phillips, um, <laughs> and on the keyboard we've got <laughs> Helen Banger Stanley Banger. We call her B A N G A. Just to clarify that. Hello, myself. Hello, hello. So, um, what we'll do? We'll play one of the tunes from the yeah. Go. from the film. Um, I don't know. And you can see the film playing in the background there as well. I think. Uh, so we'll just wait for the cue from the scenes as soon as they start surfing, and. Hit it!
0: Awesome, Gaz. I can't believe that you actually pulled that off. That is fantastic. Did it sound all right? It was
3: fine. Yeah. Oh, it was fine. It was... Oh! Well great. done, everybody. Um, <laughs> oh, I'm brilliant. on laptops because so... it sounds really good.
4: How are you... <laughs> oh,
3: yeah.
0: May I ask oh, you, how are you streaming that? Are you using their Wi-Fi or are you going over 4G? Uh, we're going over
3: 4G
2: and <laughs> really? Yeah, so what's <laughs> happened is... I've run a sub mix down from the multi-track system we got here into into just a mono send, which is then going into my Apogee Jam, and the whole thing's coming out of a iPad. So
0: that's pretty awesome, isn't it?
2: so it's quite a simple that's the, really the, mad yeah the actual setup is quite simple uh but the problem that we were having earlier so one of the preamps died it was a two-channel preamp so we lost two channels just 10 minutes before meant to be going on air which <laughs> has just caused no end of grief i've been well you know, recovered You can probably tell i've been pulling all my hair out um
0: that's very well recovered i have to say <laughs> <laughs> nice one, Gaz. I don't know what yeah, to do great. next. I suppose we should, should. Should we? Is the plan now to get on with the show and you you contribute? Yeah. What, what do you and think?
2: Do you want Do you want one more number and then we'll pack? We'll sort of. Uh, oh, do you need? Well, then, you.
0: What you could do is. Um, yeah, why the hell not? Why the hell not? Why are you here?
2: Why not? <laughs> yeah, Cause then, and because we've got some more r- stuff to do for the show preparation. And if anyone who's listening to live wants to come along tonight, you know. Um, Please do in the sort of uh, the Cube Cinema in Bristol. Uh, it's going to be on from about eight o'clock. So I don't know if uh, Are there some tickets left.
3: A few
2: yeah. left. Excellent. There's six tickets left apparently.
0: <laughs> wow. Well, that's not going to work because there are well over a hundred people in the
2: chat room. <laughs> Woohoo! <laughs> um, okay. Well, we'll just do one more. All right. Let's uh, have another one. Big Dipper. So yeah, yes, Big Dipper. So this is this is another tune from the film uh here we go
0: Thank you, band. Thank you, okay. everybody. Say thanks to all your, your, your... Are you staying with us, Gaz, or are you going to be uh,
2: getting on with things that you probably should be getting on with? Or what's your plan? I think I'm going to have to get on with things here, actually. Okay. So can I just uh, wish everybody a very happy Christmas and thanks ever so much for all the great comments and lovely support that the chat room and the people who post on YouTube. It's really... I don't know. It's really great. And I feel I've made a lot of... New friends and so happy Christmas to everybody!
0: Oh, thanks, Gaz. Awesome. Well, we'll see you very soon, no doubt. Thank you very much. Like you too guys. See wow. You. Follow that then. Amazing. <laughs> right, I suppose. Right? Um, I suppose now we've got to do like a show where we just talk and stuff. Let's just talk, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Rich Hilton. <laughs> uh well, I don't know what to say. Oh, Robbie, you're looking good, and you're resplendent, even in your um, yeah, in your, in mean, your you reindeers. Oh yeah. no, we're still we're still getting the live stream. Look at that; it's all, um, God, it's all it's all going on. That's amazing. I can't believe that that happened over f- over four G and everything. That that really does make me think. Hmm, I wonder. He's waving goodbye. Oh, oh, he's we'll gone. Start. He's start. gone. Right, let's do a show, uh, uh, another kind of show. Right, um, this was something that. <laughs> uh, I feel a bit knocked sideways there because there's so much energy coming down that little Skype channel and then we're back to our kind of slightly sedate kind of thing. But we'll do our best to keep up the energy levels. Uh, thanks for hanging in there if you've been hanging. We did have a little bit of technical difficulties, but we're back now. So let's just take a look at this. This is something that you brought up, but Gaz. Uh, Robbie, even. <laughs> this is the phenol Kickstarter uh, campaign um, that is just pretty... Banana Plug Patchable Analogue Synthesizer. I wonder if it's got a bit of um, Buchler-ism there. This is the Kickstarter campaign that's running on uh, Kickstarter. Uh, We won't play the whole thing. You can go and check that out. I mean, what I can do, though, however, is... uh is show you that the Kickstarter campaign, 154 backers, uh, basically they've reached more than double their goal and they've still got 30 days to go Go yet. And Robbie, you brought this up because um, you you were kind of impressed. Have you backed?
1: Yeah. No, I, I'm, I'm, I'm on the verge of, because I, I like the idea of it's It's like, it gives you a little bit of that kind of real experimentation that you get with a modular, but in a really nice compact form. And it's it's got some great features on it and it looks great. And it looks like it's really nicely built, all that stuff. So seven hundred and
0: twenty-nine Canadian dollars, I believe, at the moment. Kickstart,
1: ridiculous. ridiculous. Yeah, I thought that. You know, it looks like it's a synth that would take you a little bit outside of just the standard analog form kind of factor. Yeah, a bit more experimentation looks pretty interesting. Yeah. Yeah. and what's yeah.
0: what's cool about this is also they they seem to be taking on board uh you know they're basically taking on board comments from the uh the people who are backing and you know so moving midi ports and change envelope controls and added tiny and they added a midi sequencer because uh they reached uh, 100k so they said they would add some extra functions to it so it's a really interesting idea uh, in many ways because obviously we've also got this the notion of this um this kind of collaborative affair i uh, know um rich are you a kickstarter kind of guy? Is this so, i mean it's a it's a chunk of change but it does look like they're going to make it and I, i'm not sure when it's actually going to come out but uh i like no, the, i like the look of july I, okay july
4: 2015 well i don't know if i'm a kickstarter guy but i like this product a lot i thought it was very cool um it's got an interesting look to it because there's a certain about amount of I wouldn't say that it looks like a toy, because that makes what I'm about to say sound derogatory, and I don't mean it to be derogatory. But when have you ever seen a white-topped synth like that with sort of colored banana plug in? in, It's got a sort of a Fisher-Price meets Brio, in the best possible sense of the word, kind of look to it um, to me. But... um, that said, it sounds fantastic, and I agree with everything Robbie said about how it looks like it's got a lot of cool features that would push you outside of the normal way of approaching a modular synth, even. And uh, I thought it looked like a really, really cool product.
0: Yeah, I've got, I'm have looking at the picture here. It looks like, um, it's interesting they've gone for banana plugs. It just means a whole new set of leads. But uh, apart from that, I know, Robbie, I don't know how you feel about that. You're going to be investing in some banana plugs then when you've had to pull, you pull, you pull the trigger on this one.
1: Yeah, I don't know. Oh, don't, uh, don't tempt me on it. I mean, what I like about the idea of it is is that I don't, when I go off to do sessions at other places, I don't really want to have to lug the modular around. And I'm going to take the little micro brute and the OP1. But that seems like something that, you know, is totally feasible to put in a bag and go around with you and give still give you that creative hands on thing. So, yeah.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. It comes with all the banana plugs with it, anyway, doesn't it? Oh, right, okay. It comes uh, with a whole set of multicolored plug. Plan- it comes with everything you need.
0: Oh, that sounds pretty good. Um, they're asking in the chat room uh, how much. It Looks like at the, about six hundred and twenty-nine US dollars, and I think it's going to be somewhere in the region of eight. This is, as I understand it, but we don't know yet. Obviously,
1: final. Yeah, I think if you do the Kickstarter, it's going to be about you are going to save about one hundred and eighty quid on it when it finally goes into main production later in the year. Wow, that's pretty good. That's, that's encouraging, isn't it? That's good. like. Thirty-five percent. Limited edition signed version. I think they're limited edition signed. The ones, the first ones. Mm. Yeah, nice. Yeah.
0: Mark, you're looking very thoughtful there.
3: <laughs> Christmas present? No, I don't know. I'm just thinking about banana plugs, and I'm thinking the only other place that I really remember seeing them was at school, and because I did the electronics option in the physics O level. And we had lots of things like that with banana plugs that we could plug into things and learn about how waveforms worked and all that good stuff. Oscilloscopes tend to have those on. That's don't true. That. That's yeah, I've seen before. It looks really experimental, and it looks yeah. really interesting, and it looks like something. Yeah, I would like to have that in my <laughs> in my setup somewhere. Actually, yes, please. Actually, this is what uh, and it's going to like look it, like now. I like it that they are taking feedback from people and moving stuff around. That makes a lot of sense to me. And it said somewhere in the write-up that it's compatible with something else. Uh, it it might be compatible with other Kilpatrick audio stuff, is it? So that you can then patch it into other synths. Does he make other synths?
0: I'm not sure. I'm just That's looking I to read, see. I read, I read, I read something a- about
3: compatibility and I thought, okay, so if it's not just sort of a standalone, all-on-its-own thing... And they thought about how they can connect it out into the real world, other than MIDI. But to like, you could take this and use it as a module in then something that got bigger. That would be brilliant. Yeah, that sounds nice, doesn't it? Because uh, you can start here and then just kind of move out into the yeah.
0: Know, into, I, 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 what we're, I think what we're, the chat room want to know is is it Hertz volts or Volt Octave? That's something that I was trying to see. I couldn't see that anywhere. So I'm I'm hoping
3: so. somewhere.
0: Does it? Okay, just not um not to me. There were some
1: amazing YouTube videos of them giving it to a few different artists to try out, and some of the stuff they were getting out of it was, like, really good. Mm. Like I said, it says
3: it's it's compatible with other modular systems, but it doesn't say what.
4: Right, okay. that probably means volt per octave, as Ed just said in the chat room. Yeah, let's yeah. hope so.
3: It would make the most sense for it to be that Yeah, it?
4: I would extend it. And on. it would be great that way, too. Yeah, in a small modular yeah. rig or even a big modular rig, it'd be great. Yeah. Cool.
3: So presumably,
1: for that, you just have to get banana plugged to 3.5 mil, right?
0: Yeah, I'm guessing so. And I really like the idea. It's got that look that it might actually fit in uh, the. Um, in the case of a nice modular Euro rack in the lid. Uh-huh. See, where See where I'm going here? See where I'm going here? Mm. Well, yeah.
3: It says it's 15.8 inches wide, which is just about 19-inch rack width, doesn't it, by the time you've got the ears and everything. Oh, like. that's
0: very promising. Yeah, I,
3: yeah,
0: I'm thinking, yeah, that sounds nice. Maybe they'll send one for review. That'll give me I something to do some, next uh, summer. I
3: yeah. did some rack mounting this week. I decided I was going to rack mount my Mac Mini, So I went out and bought some space technology Velcro, you know, the really strong stuff. And I stuck it all at the, they've got this little black thing on the bottom of them. Yeah, I'll show you actually. It had a little black thing on the bottom of it. Oh, yeah. So I stuck Velcro all over this bit. Yeah. And then put it on the, um, stuck it into a rack. And then I thought, I'll just reposition this a bit. And there was a massive clicking, cracking noise. Uh Uh-oh. And and these two parts are no longer connected. <laughs> oh dear! I've gone into this that, world. I'm drilling holes through the bottom oh. so that I can screw it to the rack. Yeah, that,
1: that velcro is, is deadly. We did we 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 velcro everything with that super velcro that you can stick speakers to walls with on tour. You just got, and I, yeah. um, did, I did. The, Howard bought this little USB hub, and he stuck it to the side of his Phantom. And um, literally, I said, "What have you done?" And he goes, "I've used super velcro," and it was so flimsy. This hub.
3: That literally when we priced it off it just the whole thing
1: disintegrated
4: <laughs> the only way
3: to get it off is with like one of those big um uh, uh, paint scrapers you have to kind of ease it off with a paint scraper and get in between it's wow it's evil stuff
1: wow
0: that uh, well that's wow. interesting you should mention that because um th- this also came in you know have you seen um this is the Sonic technologies x max pro server rack mount with uh with uh all kinds of so you can put you, you can rack it up in your
1: i nearly thought bought that
0: Looks kind of interesting. I mean, I, I'm sure it's expected but it gives you uh, PCI expansion as well as uh, port replication and all that sort of stuff. What was interesting? If you get, I mean, I know this wasn't in the topic. I just thought I would throw it in there as we were talking That's about correct. rack mount. Um, yeah. So you, can, I think there's a close-up of it somewhere where you can it's see what.
1: Heavy. I looked at it for when I got my my portable system, uh, and right. it's um, it's a it's a big old beast. You'd, you would have to have quite a deep rack.
0: Ah, uh, okay, yeah. First of all, it's uh, oh, a computer ma- Yeah, you probably were. But it looks kind of, I don't know how expensive it is. Yeah. I expect it's what, you know going to be What's p- 1500 quid? Sorry, what did you say? Rich. What's it right. called? It's called the Sonnet Technologies X-Max Pro X-Mac Pro server rack mount with Thunderbolt expansion demo. Yeah. <laughs> That's the video. Um but yeah, that looks kind of fun. It's making me really uh, cuz I'm getting to the point now where you know I'm rendering out videos. I saw someone um put a video uh, so, is uh, Russ from Potals Expert saying this? This Mac Pro, new Mac Pro, really rocks. I've got an eight-minute video with loads of plugins, and it. it's only taken a minute to render. And I'm just sitting there thinking, watching, you know, my eight-minute video taking three quarters of an hour. And I'm thinking, hmm. at what point does uh, my flimsy hourly rate start to uh, recoup on that three grand computer that I would have to do to to get that sort of speed? And the rest. Yeah, and the rest. Anyway, that's sort of. Um, I've forgotten where that actually started from. Oh, yeah, the Phenol. Go and check it out on Kickstarter. I'll put a a link in the show notes. Uh, I should probably say, um, we've also, I've forgotten, because the beginning was so uh, sort of insane, uh, obviously, Isotope sponsoring the show. Uh, We have a winner from last week's competition. We've also, if you hadn't remembered, if you you could remember, um, let me see if I play this. We've got uh, our new uh, intro animation, which is uh, probably going to play at some point if I press the button enough times. Perhaps it won't. Ah, there we go. This is our new theme by Steve Blacker, steveblacker.com. And we've got a competition running, which I've come up with a a date. Uh, I'm figuring January the 28th is the deadline. So you've got plenty of time over Christmas to do your... And then I'll judge it sort of half, uh, uh, probably by the 4th of Feb. So that's the intro, which... uh, you can download, there's links in the show notes, but it, all you have to do is go to sonicstate.com forward slash live, where you'll be able to see the live stream that's here every Wednesday, but also the last week's show. Plus, there's an entry form where you can download that video and then upload a link to YouTube and uh, uh, multiple em- entries. And Isotope, in fact, are going to be uh, giving away their creative bundle, which is worth, uh, let me see, i got it here. It's worth like 500 bucks. So that's uh, Break Tweaker, Iris 2, Trash 2, plus Expansion Stutter Edit all at once. Uh, that's going to be the prize for the competition. So that's a pretty nifty prize from Isotope. But while we're on the subject of prizes and competitions, we we also have our weekly sponsorship. Uh, Iris. Uh, oh, I pressed the ad. There we go. Here we go. And. Uh, basically if i press play it might everything's very slow today i don't know why that is it must be because it's going slow for christmas iris 2 of course is uh, isotopes latest update of the spectral synth uh, which was a sample based synth country, with 11 gigabytes of sample library you can get started quickly with hundreds of new patches. You've got selection tools, intuitive spectral selection, flexible new modulation system with over 100 modulatable parameters, Sculpture signature sound using up to five LFOs, five envelopes MIDI expression controllers and macro controls, multi-mode filter on the output, as well as a spectral on each individual sample. Lots and lots of possibilities there. Visualisations, intelligent zero crossings when you drop your samples in there. But there are so many great waves from some classic synths, a lot of them provided by Dave Spears' fabulous collection. So do check it out. Um, if you really want to, you can download it from isotope.com forward slash iris, where you get a 10-day free demo with a sort of limited set of samples, and you can s- just go crazy with it, and then you can buy it as well. It's also pretty awesome. Iris 2. There you go. Check it out. But we've also got uh, a competition. We, uh, last week, we asked you to tweet the hashtag 11gigs of samples. 11 GB of samples, and we have a winner. The winner is, let me see, uh, from last week's show, is M. Phillips, with the Twitter handle at FyDead underscore one. So if you would like to get in touch with me, um, give us your email address. The Isotope Ferry will then bestow you iris a full copy of iris 2 and while we're at it we've got another competition so you, you all you have to do is tweet this basically you need to have a twitter account uh, you tweet the hashtag a world of sound to at sonic nick and at isotopic but do add a little bit of extra uh, there's there's 140 characters there so go crazy send us a message while you're at it uh, and next well the next show will be uh i guess the 4th of january well sometime in january i forget the date because next wednesday is christmas eve the next wednesday is new year's eve so we won't be doing a show on those days so um what you have to do is tweet that so i'll just run that up again tweet that a world hashtag a world of sound at sonic nick at isotope inc right right let's see we can get on with another topic um what's next ah yes christmas songs it's christmas you can tell because robbie's got his christmas hat on one of many i might add yeah plenty of that i did try and look for the uh, sonic state christmas hat but it wasn't here christmas songs really are a hell of a lot of them and um i thought i'd look into this i mean obviously we've got uh uh, ones that come out every year um but basically there's what really interested me about this uh let me see if i can find it I, i basically i found this uh this webpage, which was uh, Biggest Earners from Christmas Songs Revealed. This was last year's, and basically, I guess this is in the UK, so this is what a Christmas, a, a decent Christmas song could earn you. Uh, number one was half a million quid from Slade's a- a Merry Christmas Everybody, The Pogues, Fairy Tale of New York, 386, I guess these are estimates, but I mean, you know, you're talking set for life, really. Even, even Jonah Louis and his Stop the Cavalry gets uh, a, a 13 grand a year in terms of input. Well, for for, uh stop the cavalry i think is that the the tune so um rich have you ever worked on any christmas songs any of them ever gone and you've kind of thought this is it i'm made for life
4: (laughs) (laughs) oh sure um no but i do have a story to tell um, regarding the christmas marketing thing a certain major vocal artist here in america uh, had a deal struck once with a certain major retail corporation, international retail corporation chain, whereby that corporation would finance his making of a Christmas CD, which that said retailer would own for the period of the year that it was released, during which time they would be entitled to all revenues up to the recouping of the cost of the making of the thing. And after which time the, the ownership reverts completely to the artist into perpetuity. So in other words, the corporation pays for the making of the the CD. The CD is sold for that season through their outlets uh, exclusively. And then thereafter, the artist actually retains ownership of the CD. Am I making sense? Good it's a very good. interesting good. deal that is a good, good idea Robbie's got the thumbs up there
0: thinking of yeah. adding that to oh. another contract to put, to put in oh. the filing cabinet
1: <laughs> I don't think anyone should own your music That's no well, I, think. I, th- I think everyone should own their own music eventually
4: well, they're not original songs either. They're Christmas standards. I mean, it could be everything from Jingle Bells to whatever. It doesn't, you know, or Chestnuts Roasting on an Open Fire. It could be anything. But the point is that the ownership of the product, not the songs per se, because the songs in most cases are not yours to begin with. You're doing standard yeah. Christmas repertoire. That's interesting. Uh, I'm just looking for um,
0: one other Raw th- Because Rob... Uh, uh, Mark, you've done a Christmas single, as a Well, you did it... Was it last year you first did this?
3: I'm just trying to I find- don't know. I think it was two years ago, actually. Um, I've got video and everything, actually, with real actors and video things and lighting and, uh, and kind of uh, pays homage to It's a Wonderful Life and... There's a man in it who doesn't quite look like me, but he could be me, I suppose. This is it, isn't it? Some um,
0: Christmas suicides, yeah, because it was, it was to draw your uh, uh, people's attention to, you know, a lot of people at Christmas actually get pretty miserable, and it's a, it's a time of year which, you know, while there's lots of family happiness and all those other things, there's also a lot of not that as well, right?
3: Yeah, there is a lot of that, and people don't want to talk about it, and they won't reveal that about themselves until it's too late. And I just kind of went, you know what, let's just talk about that. So, and and I wrote a song about it that says that at Christmas, I feel like shit. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, actually, I'm, I'm doing all right this year. <laughs> well, you got the hat on. That's a start. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, it's, a, it's, I mean, for me, okay, so I'm going to be really honest. And for me, um, with autism, there's some things about life that, Uh, that make life feel more balanced, and one of them is routines. And if I've got some vague routine in my life, then I feel quite grounded and balanced, and I I enjoy life. And then when somebody comes along and stuffs my fridge with all this weird food (laughs) and all the timings of everything change and and the children don't go to school and there's holidays, and just every routine, every sense of anything that keeps me grounded – Gets shaken up, and then that ends up causing lots of anxiety for me. And then anxiety tends to make me depressed because I kind of think I really shouldn't feel like this. And yeah. you know, and then it all snowballs. And then you know, if I escape out the other side of New Year's, I've done well. So well, so it's far so good. So for other people, it, it might be some people have difficulty getting the money together to buy presents for their kids, and they feel that they're obliged to do that and. You know, that can be a a problem for people and they get very kind of depressed about that as well, but won't talk about it. So I want people to talk about it. I want people to just be open and honest and say, actually, you know what, I feel like this. And actually, if you if you don't talk about an emotion or 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 uh, something that's going on with you, then you tend to try and bottle it up and hide it. And if you're bottling up and hiding it from yourself, then you've got no hope in hell of doing anything about it. If you're honest and open about it and you reveal it, it's there to look at for people to go, okay, I can help you with this, or maybe you can look at doing that to, to reframe it or whatever. Yeah. So, um, it's, it is important to be open about things, I think.
0: No, yeah. Well said. I agree with that. Mm. Um, I think uh, Robbie... Yes Christmas rec- Christmas songs have ever had a go
1: I've not had a go i I, I, I have a bit of a, I, I come out in a bit of a rash over them from my days when I used to as a, as a teenager work in jean shops and every and for the, for the sort of two months up to Christmas that was all you were allowed to play in this shop oh yeah um, it was it was it was a well-known, for chain life. Called, <laughs> well-known chain called cheap jacks do you remember that chain
0: no <laughs> anyway oh
1: anyway but yeah so so I, I the one i particularly hate is the one about a spaceman came traveling by chris de burr
0: oh i don't know that one that's a that's I, a that's
1: horrendous uh, christmas song yeah I, it's because i probably don't like chris de burr full stop but <laughs> regardless of that
0: everybody has uh, I, actually i've got a funny story about chris de a friend of mine went up for a keyboard player gig of uh, a keyboard and guitar to play yeah. with him and uh you know, it was all kind of going pretty well and he got the songs and everything and he uh, and he, he was at the right sort of age to kind of not be uh, um out of place with the band because I think they're kind of generally a, a more mature band that were, but he's really, really tall and he just, he couldn't get the gig because he was so, so much taller than Chris that uh, it just made Chris look smaller than he is because he's not a tall chap. So he didn't, that's, that's his theory anyway. That's not really a very good story at all, but I thought I'd mention it just because I had a Christian
1: I have a story but
0: I won't give it on the air. No, fair enough. Okay, perhaps not. Um but perhaps if you did have a Christmas hit and uh, those royalties were coming in you might consider getting a um one of the Boomstar uh in Boomstar's filters are coming hard on, I've just got a link that I've got a post up here. Yes, indeed. Uh this is the news that the Boomstars, which are great synthesizers, uh have announced that they're gonna be um this is on matrix synth gonna they are releasing the the filters only in Eurorack format i think this comes out of a collaboration with um pittsburgh modular and it looks like they're going to be we've we got the yeah, and there's an amplitude mod there they're, they're going to be 279 apart which i think is actually pretty reasonable because they sound fantastic i must admit i would like to see the oscillators as well because they certainly do so so robbie you got your uh, modular shopping list uh, starting to come together for the new year then i
1: i've, I've- there's only one thing i want to get it's the it's the qubit um granulum oscillator that's the one i want to get
0: that sounds interesting
1: q u b i t and it's got like a little um it's even got like a in a usb you can put your card straight in to get the sample straight into it
0: Ooh, that does sound interesting oh yeah i've never really experimented with granular oscillators but i like the sound of that
1: oh it looks great and i'm just yeah that's the only thing the only thing I know, I'm, Rich, I'm,
0: you haven't got I'm, the you haven't got the modular yet, but you know this. The weight of evidence must be coming, must be starting to pile up now that you really do need to get yourself a case and start populating it.
4: Oh, you're muted. yes, there have been discussions mm. uh, between me and a certain American modular synth uh, company about the possibility of acquiring one, though. My wife, who's downstairs, has no idea about this. <laughs> um, well, it was originally intended for the studio over at Niles, but but in any case, um, haven't actually pulled the trigger on anything like that yet. But I could see it happening because I'm starting to really get interested.
1: Mm. I'm just putting a link up Again. for you, Nick.
4: in the chat room. Ah, okay. Let
1: me see. On it. That's oh, okay,
4: that's dangerous stuff. I'll put that up there. A certain American synthesizer company, who shall remain nameless, but is somewhere at the western end of Pennsylvania.
0: <laughs> 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 ah, okay. Uh, I know, M- Mark. You still haven't, have you, gonna? To... I haven't. What got the modular stuff going? I, I can recommend these. Filters, I haven't. Don't. No.
3: I mean, I. Uh, I might. I might have a new job soon. So if I get the new job, then I'll have some, lots of money coming in, and then I'll think about doing it then. Um, uh, but So uh, instead, for Christmas, I think I'm going to buy myself one of those little iConnect MIDI Plus 2 things. Yeah, to connect. I can I, thoroughly I recommend that. My computer. I I, I I Because I bought one of those little things that goes in, you know, the iRig thing yeah. that goes in the headphone socket. And I've quickly discovered that if you really crank guitar amps in the iPad, it just causes this weird feedback loop because you've got so much gain across a little tiny three and a half inch, a three and a half millimeter jack that it really can't do anything but feedback. And then they've got a circuit in there in Amplitude, which sorts that out, but then it totally changes the sound of the guitar. Same with GarageBand, actually. So I need a proper way of getting sound in and out of an iPad if I'm going to use it seriously. It doesn't
0: go in. Um, well, you can feed it in because it becomes an input, but you haven't got a physical input. So it, uh, just to clarify that, but yes. Yeah, so oh,
3: no, be- but you can feed it in from my – I can send things from my computer into my yeah. iPad and then back out, can't yeah, I? Definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. I
1: interesting an interesting story about that this week because I finally got the studio all finished up and I – and I plumbed in my iConnect MIDI 4 Plus into the studio as my main MIDI thing now. And I put it in my rack because it's nice and rack-mountable size. And then I thought, ah, oh, the cable that comes with is, is a meter long. How on earth would that ever go anywhere meaningful? So uh, I, I spoke to them and they said, yeah, there's no cable longer than a meter that works with it. Uh, so I, I was like, what are you going to do? I mean, you could if you'd have to have it sitting literally on top of a rack and iPad or something to make that workable... So I scoured around and I eventually found this lightning extender cable.
0: Okay. Sharpen, take a breath.
1: Yeah, which I thought was like... uh, Because a lot of those lightning things are not qualified. And, you know, if you buy cheap ones, they don't work with certain devices. This wasn't cheap, actually. It was... Two metres long, and it I got it from Amazon. It was 29 quid for this extender cable.
0: Oh, well, that's only two... two I thought it was going that's to be three down, figures.
1: way down on what no. they were before. But, but that's... It's... We're talking lightning, remember, not Thunderbolt. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah lightning. Yeah.
0: Oh, yeah, right, okay, yeah. yeah. But
1: anyway, I plugged it in, and it worked brilliantly. Perfect.
0: Ah, good oh, stuff. Lovely. I'm glad there was... So there's a happy ending to
1: that story. There's that's a happy awesome. ending. I really thought the whole thing was going to be totally buggered. Oh, that's a
3: shame. Yeah, it's all good.
0: Okay, well, um, let's move on to the next thing. If you want to get one of those, um, I, th- I don't know when they're actually going to be coming out in production, but I think it's quite soon. and We should see them at NAM, because NAM is shaping up to be quite an interesting event. Uh, we'll have more on that. Let's play this one. This is something that might interest uh, a couple of you listeners. This is the news that Roland have released a new sound pack for the TR eight seven X seven, which has the sounds of the seven zero seven seven two seven. Oh yeah. I must admit, I don't actually have much fondness for these sounds, but it's kind of interesting to hear them coming out. <laughs> that Karen Bell. Awesome. Every song needs one. So this is... Oh, a f- f- it's a very distinctive kick drum, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Anyway... So it's a new, it's a new it's a paid upgrade, so it's a sound set uh, that allows you to uh, basically pour the the new set of sounds in. And it's, it sounds... I haven't had a chance to check it out. I've actually passed it on to someone I know who's got a tr and he's going to bring one up so we can check them out soon. Um, and uh, one thing that he said, what would be really cool, is to be able to have all of the available sounds of the TRA playable across the MIDI keyboard, so you didn't just load them all into individual slots, you just got access to all of them, which is a good idea. Uh, Robbie, what do you think? Is this something that you're... Uh, you're you- you, well, you haven't well, got a T.R.A., well, but you thought about one, didn't you?
1: I like the. I, I'm. I'm pleased that they are properly carrying on with this and you know developing the the whole thing. You know, I think that puts to bed everyone's worries that they were just going to kind of do that one thing and then it was all going to die off. It, does no, it show doesn't.
4: That they,
1: <laughs> I, no, no. I think they are. I think they are really running with it. I mean, it all. All it indicates to me is I hope that there's a, a bigger a bigger and better synth coming that can can replicate some of the more kind of impressive Roland synths
0: definitely
3: in fact um, they already did that though didn't they i well, mean i've got a Varios in my living room yes. which is well yes but actually you know, no use to man or beast but uh, it's good for keeping but, doors but, open. but but
0: to be fair this will only re-
3: work on windows 98 yes it but, won't work on xp service pack 3 kills it and but, it has a excellent excellent Jupiter 8 stroke June, Juno June. Yeah, yeah. Which is really but, good.
0: But to be fair, you know, so far this has had a, an awful lot of extra, uh, a, a, a lot more love than that ever did uh, when it came out. In fact, if I just come here, yeah, like the, we ran a poll which was, uh, you know, what beatbox would you like to see next? Uh, I did, I've, I tried to find a bunch of uh, Roland beatboxes that kind of weren't silly, you know, so CR78 seems to be pipping it at the moment. 606, Dr. Rhythm gets the CR8000 gets no love, which I'm really surprised at. I know, Rich, do you think there, um, we're missing any classic Roland drum boxes that would, uh, that would benefit from a bit of uh, pouring into the TR8, or, this... or uh, perhaps not. I can't well, think of anything.
4: They have they have 808, 909, and 707. Yeah, that's kind of it, isn't it, really? Um, well, CR78. Cool. Se- CR not that I wouldn't, not, you know, CR78. Uh, not that I would, you know, whatever they've got that's any good. R8, some people are saying. But, um, no, those would do <laughs> for me. I think that's cool. And I agree with everything Robbie said about it. I'm glad that they're moving forward with this and adapting and expanding upon models of original yeah. products. What, yeah, I loved it. I, I enjoyed watching the video uh, that we had uh, for this I mean, topic very much. Who was that? I'm sorry. Deep,
3: uh, and me, I'm deeply concerned about how long Roland continued to support this for. Well, I All know, you have to do is go on, no, go on their website. Every year they release a list of things which they're no longer going to support and when you look on that list it's always full of things that are about six years old that cost somebody somewhere two or three thousand dollars so they can't just drop support after six well they do drop support after six years but they shouldn't do that no they should continue to support things for the lifetime of the product and the lifetime of the product is really probably I mean if you think about Jupiter 8 it's been around for like 40 years they, they need to continue to be able to support them. And if they're not going to do that, then they need to release the code to third parties and say, actually, write your own drivers. Here's how you know. Here's how it works. Here's an SDK for you to play with or whatever. But to just drop support for things. There's so many, and I'm going to say they're really good Roland products. They are really good Roland products out there, which are just you can't use anymore. Like the original Voice Transformer. It, and the thing that's in a half rack unit, which had the voice transformer built into it, it would only work now with Windows 98 in VMware. And But it's a really powerful piece of kit. It's something that does something really good and kind of powerful, unique. And they were kind of first on the scene with a yeah. lot of the virtual pedal stuff. But and I, yet, I, I, what, it's a shame.
1: I don't think Roland have ever... Their strength has never been getting it right with computer integration. That's fair to say, I think. Well, no, their strength
3: has you know. never been... They, they've never understood how people use their gear or how to support that. From I mean, from when I had an S770, I became... Uh, the, the keyboard player from Mike and the Mechanics set up this kind of user group in London of... Well, actually, maybe in England of all the different people professional people using S770s, and we all contributed to the guy at Roland and said, basically, we need it to do this. And we said, it needs to be in time when you're using it multi-timberly. And he basically said, well, why would anyone want to do that? You just, like, record... You know your first part, and then you record your <laughs> next part, the tape, and so on and yeah. so forth. He had no idea of how it was being used in the field, and when he was shown, he was completely confused by it. So,
0: well, I think—I mean, I think to be fair, you know, I don't think we can sort of paint them just yet because, I mean, this is early day, But what what interested me mostly about this was, you if know, I, let, if let,
3: I keep saying, yeah, if I keep saying this, hopefully they'll realise that it's an important issue. No, that's fair enough. But,
0: I I mean, one thing that I was thinking, you know, that aside is, you know, if there is going to be a better keyboard long, because the System 1, you know, is a great concept, but in terms of the keyboard, the playability, and perhaps the DSP power, it's not. But can you, what I'm seeing as a potential product is if there's a bigger sort of, version which they then start pouring all of their classics into so we get all of the synths just start to come out and you can see this as a vehicle for them to remind their classics because they've obviously got a more that would be awesome more resources going into modeling some of their older stuff and they've taken on board that people like the vintage things obviously they're not making analog stuff but so far the models i've seen on the system one have been pretty good and that's to me quite an interesting idea i know rich you use Roland pianos i mean could you see the the attraction of maybe something that had that that DSP that you could then buy those models just to put you know those sounds and those synthesizers if they were you know good enough into them
4: as a as a as a goer. Yeah, yeah, but I'm much more interested in seeing them replicate things like MKS seventy Jupiter eight um, MKS eighty, uh, you know, like other synths through their history that were iconic and could be adapted to that format. That's what I mean. I, 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 I system think system controlling those. Then rom ba- rom like what I play is basically romplers, you know, with tons of of waveforms. So I'm not sure they need to do that again.
1: No, no, please not. No. I
4: don't think it's. I don't think this is for those guys. Even sure. So so I'm more interested in, or if they were to do models, even of some of their modular gear in some sort of uh, packaged, preconceptualized format that allowed. It almost worked like uh, Ace by Yuhi or something, where there is a, some sort of a signal path to begin with, but you can pretty much do anything you want with it. You know, sort of like, so if they did, an, a, a, say, a soft System 800, where you could operate mm. it more or less like Ace, you know, that kind of thing, where they incorporate as many of their classic, vintage, wonderful stuff yeah. as possible into the software world, which seems to be what they're trying to stuff into these boxes. I think that's... Sorry. Go.
1: No, I was just going to say, when you look at something like the System 1 and you play it, you realise it's it's an instrument built at a price and, you know, there's a lot on it. It's a bit plasticky. I think there's definitely room for them to do a premium. System 2, yeah. A System 2 with, with proper metal chassis and, you know, proper power supply and all that stuff with a good complement of that kind of aesthetic with the knobs and stuff. And I think I think if, like Rich said, if they get that right and can and actually can, instead of the instead of the synth, you know, the the Jupiter fiasco, they can actually make an instrument that really does have that that sonic charm of the original things. I think people will be prepared to pay a decent price for it, just as much as they'd be prepared to pay for a rompler, a decent rompler. Yeah.
0: I think. I mean, I I personally think that's where it's going because the models so far, the SH two and the SH one hundred one, have been pretty damn good. So they've obviously got a bit of mojo going on. Whoever it is that's developing and you know making those models happen is doing a good job.
3: Why? Why? What is it that makes them think that they need to write proprietary drivers for all of their USB ports? Because why is it that I, I see that list of things coming up and it says we no longer write drivers for this? We know now that Apple are going to release a new operating system every year, and they keep playing around with the code underneath that. So my Line Six stuff all died when I upgraded to Yosemite, and I had to download a new driver. Okay, so Line Six are providing the new driver, and there it is. But um, so that that's great, and they'll probably continue to do that for years for that for that hardware. But if you, why can't you just make it uh, um, class compliant so that as those things move on? If there is a cl- a class-compliant uh, standard that's been written and it's class-compliant, then you don't need to worry about supporting it anymore, do I, you?
0: I would totally agree with that, and I don't know why that is. Yeah. That's uh, yeah.
3: Uh, it that. comes to something
1: when you've got... For example, we we used, we used Roland's A88 controllers live with Howard. They're brilliant because they've got, the, they've got this, the ivory touch key bed from the V-Piano, and they're in a really great, slim line, pretty lightweight form factor. But you have to have a driver to... A driver for a for a weighted action piano keyboard. <laughs> I know it's crazy. crazy. So
3: totally oh, that class client. Anyway,
0: that does anyway, seem anyway. a bit. If crazy. you got a
3: yes? And if you put it on, if you ran that on Yosemite, would you have a driver for it? The answer is probably no, right? I don't How know. Do you I get couldn't get ask the
1: comment. Who
3: knows? I mean, I've got. I had a V synth, and it, and when I upgraded from Snow Leopard to the next, I uh, know. I think when I put it on snow leopard it locked the whole machine up because they stopped supporting that after about five or six years and it's it just and then you have to go back to midi cables because yeah i mean i think i think
0: the difficulty there. is and it's not just Roland. i mean you know you've got to bear in right. mind that, that a lot of this stuff is very niche and to keep a team keeping all of that stuff
3: updated and yeah. i can't imagine okay, so how it makes sense you know but
0: so the I heads class. A,
3: a, a midi sport uh two by two a little green box thing Uh, um, and i can't remember the who's the company that make that uh it was midi midi man before m audio Yeah, midi man midi sport two by two so i bought that probably in about 1995 and i downloaded the drivers and ran it on os9 and when osx came out they wrote new drivers for it and each time a new instance of the apple operating system comes out or a new version of windows they write new drivers for it so if I, I can pull that out of the drawer that it's in if I need to use it, plug it into my computer, go on the MIDI Man website, download the drivers, and it works. How can they do it? then? Uh, I'm, Roland appear to be a bigger company than that with far more resources, and they can't do it? I far mean, come on. Products.
1: Far more products, isn't it? Masses of products to try and keep up to date like Yeah, that.
3: I think so. Anyway, mm-hmm. uh, but
0: it's uh, it could be a very interesting development so I, I think maybe we should move on to uh this next topic which is really quite interesting which is uh, there's a big debate on uh synthopia um you see the real orchestra of our virtual virtual instruments he, he publicized this uh, it's basically on audio cook uh, audio uh, as a chap um called tom player who's been doing a load of uh, demos for uh, various film projects he's been working on and he's done he's created a virtual instrument version then gone in and, and created uh, um an orchestral version hard players and, and done it and just done a b comparisons and it's been very interesting i mean it wins every time but some of them are quite hard to to really really tell but uh, one of these was interesting this is at the sound of uh, called takedown action trailer piece so this is the synth version the one with the brass whereas absolutely that was absolutely awesome but the thing that, that kind of got me going really was, was about this whole sort of notion of um, replacement of, you know, the, the string players and, or brass players because, I mean, obviously it's an expensive pro- process and ultimately, you know, who is it who's making that, ju- that 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 judgment call? I mean, because when it comes down to, obviously, finance, you know, people are going to want to get things to the cheapest possible price. I mean, Rich, you've worked on various soundtracks and presumably had to orchestrate things in with virtual orchestras or whatever to, to get the demos going or what for whatever reason, you know, do they always get replaced or I mean are there ever times when the orchestra just doesn't have the same right vibe I mean you know I'm just curious to sort of see whether or not there is always a night and day kind of argument for this
4: uh, no there is not uh, no there is not always a night and day argument for this and uh, sit right back and you'll hear a tale in 1988 when we did Coming to America uh, which has now become a much beloved movie at least over oh now, I love it uh, yeah. People love that movie. Um, almost the entire score was temped out in Sinclavier and Kurzweil modules by me uh, before we got there or shortly or for the first two weeks we spent at the Paramount studio in Hollywood. And the third week, the live orchestra came in and basically performed to our tracks uh, with clicks and everything coming off the synclavier. And uh, what appears in the movie is a hybrid of those two things. At certain points, it is only orchestra. At certain points, it is only the electronics. And at other times, it's a carefully blended combination of the two. And there are a lot of reasons for that. It's kind of hard to get full orchestras to groove ah, in okay. any discernible way so when you need to get them to play tightly and in rhythm and you have more than a certain number of people playing at a time the weight of the sound almost prevents the proper groove element from getting in there and so in order to mitigate that to some degree sometimes it was desirable to use a combination of the live and the electronic because the electronic kind of pulls it a little closer to the beat but you still get the breathing from the live thing that's an interesting thought. I hadn't
0: really thought about that, but because generally speaking, you know, you go for the the the, the, br- the breath of the real strings. It's very good for legato. I know, Robbie, you you've done various soundtracks. Have you ever co- taken those and then you know been asked, okay, what what ca- can we have a, a an orchestra destination for this? You know, yeah,
1: the scores that I've done so far um, have not had any real orchestra on them, but we've we've had a few elements that we may have we may have added to. Um, I always, I think it's an interesting thing, isn't it? Because you think of someone like Hans Zimmer. He kind of pioneered the, let's do a whole score and we'll, we'll make a big thing about the fact that this is an orchestral score without an orchestra. And for certain composers like him, he's kind of made an art form, have not he, about this, of almost having a score that's like a super orchestra in a way because it's like hundreds of groupings of instruments, which in the real world, if you had as an orchestra, is totally unfeasible. So some people make it their thing to have this kind of massive, humongous kind of hybrid. You know, we're going to have 100 violin ones and 100, you know, for that big sound. Um, I mean, the kind of scoring I do, I use some orchestral elements, but I don't profess to be an orchestral arranger. So I, I like to think that I can, add, I can add elements of orchestral sound and flair to a, predominantly an electronic score. So um, I, li- I like the two worlds colliding, and I think more and more that's what happens anyway. Do you think it's a question of just being able to
0: identify what needs to be uh, replaced with something real to give it that yeah. extra dimension?
1: Generally, generally, solo instruments are never going to be great uh, as samples. I mean, what I always find interesting is a lot of them make really good sample libraries, You go and you go and listen to the demos when they release their libraries and they're phenomenal. And you think these libraries are absolutely phenomenal. And then you hear people who've done stuff with them and you think, hmm, that's not done with the same library, is it? Because because so much to do with those libraries are to do with how you can learn to really understand how to articulate them and use all that side of it. And I think a really good library is, is only a really good tool in the hands of somebody who really understands how to use it. (laughs)
3: Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: That's that. Uh, that's Absolutely. I mean, that's the thing. That's the thing. Otherwise, it's just a bunch of samples that just sound like general midi to, to to people who, can't, who who don't truly understand how to get the best from it. And yeah. I think that's the that's the thing. And you, you you some people are real masters at harnessing that stuff.
0: And I think also yeah. when you're recording the real thing, you really need the whole package. You can't just kind of get a string player into your studio and kind of go right, make this sound like because it just doesn't, you know. Playing to a foam wall does not sound the same as having the guy who knows the room in the place that makes that you know that string sound really good in and all of that stuff. It really is you know it's that I guess that's why it becomes a more expensive procedure because you need to really do it in the right place and do the right thing. I'm mean, guessing, Rich, you probably found that as well. It's not just a question of bringing a brass player in; it's a question of getting the whole part of it right
4: yes of course uh, and and whatever as they say whatever it takes yeah absolutely
0: i oh, know uh, mark i'm I, I don't know Have you because you've worked on a few kind of quite big albums i mean has there been a point where you've handed over to the kind of to, to the orchestral recordist to uh, enhance what you've already done in just purely electronically or in the studio uh
3: yes we've used various different string arrangers on things guy farley is one of the people and he's just amazing because he i was ta- I was talking to someone about him today because they said i was talking to so i went for massage today and the guy that massaged me was saying why don't you do more film music and i was saying well basically because i'm not really a musician i'm a programmer guy farley has got you know he'll stick 10 fingers on this big master keyboard and then kind of play intricate things on it and he makes the whole thing come to life simply by playing actually Rich is another guy who can do this and you want to change something you just basically change what you're playing or what you think about what you're playing and change a couple of elements and it totally changes sound for me I need to sit down and score the whole thing by drawing lines on a with a pen in Ableton and going like, oh, I think that might be what strings do. Right. And then afterwards, if I want to change it, I've got to really think about, you know, which of the notes to move around to make it change. So what takes somebody that knows how to do it by playing it five minutes takes me two or three hours. So yeah. I kind of, I just end up in the world where I go, oh, that is quite a nice sound, it's Slightly better than general MIDI. I'm going to have like a string pad happen here and then no articulation. I quite often play things from the ascii keyboard on my laptop because it doesn't make that much difference to me whether i've got velocity sensitivity or not because i'm not a keyboard player and i don't know what to do with it if i tried doing it on the guitar the guitars all over the place and never triggers anything off quite the same (laughs) anyway so i tend to fix the velocity on the guitar and then kind of so you know there's no articulation in anything that i do it needs to go to someone like guy farley or there's another guy called richard niles who's really good as well actually who used to do some of the duran stuff yeah and there so, was that whole when p- you see somebody that knows when somebody knows what they're doing yeah. with with computers who's played it in and then just says, oh, i just need to move that note and then the whole thing comes to life and you're like wow yeah i guess um, that's about knowing how an orchestra And then is. guy insists on giving it to a real orchestra he says you can't do orchestras properly unless you give it to a real orchestra so he'll score it out play it out then he'll print out the score from logic and then he'll write it all out again and then he'll hand it to all the musicians and then he stands and conducts and then that's where i go green with envy because i'd love to get that dynamic and be the guy with the little stick that went (laughs) you're all gonna play louder now yeah it's like a bloody it's like a It's like a bomb going off when an orchestra goes up in volume, isn't it? It's the same dynamic as an explosion almost. Interesting. So exciting. (laughs) exciting So,
0: Rich, in the chat room you were mentioning uh, about uh, Session Strings Pro, the NI uh,
4: contact library? For a separate well, the specific issue I mentioned it in regarding was small sections. Pretty much ah. everybody who wants to sell you string libraries records something that sounds huge because they think that you want to score a major movie with it, and the stuff tends to have very fuzzy attacks and very, very long lush decays to it, and it tends to be a whole big bunch of guys playing. and for the kind of strings, we use for like chic sort of strings, the stuff has to have really, really fast attacks, be pretty close and not so many people playing, not with that much weight to it. And so uh, for years, I struggled trying to recreate anything even close to adequate for chic type string sounds. And when Session Strings first appeared and now Session Strings Pro, it was like a revelation to me because you could do pretty much all the things I needed to do um for that kind of string performances in that software, which oh, runs in Native Instruments Contact.
1: I, I use um I use the um the LA scoring strings, the Audio Bro ones, and the the Sordinos. I, they're the ones I use in my main strings, but a little known fact, there's um there's a great little library that's part of Nexus. You know the Nexus sample player by mm-hmm. REFX. They do this whole Hollywood library that they introduced about a year ago. It's not lots of massive samples in terms of size and lots of articulations, but in a mix, they've got lots of, exactly like Richard said, stuff that really works in a mix if you're, do- if you're adding them to pop productions and stuff. And I'm um, yeah, you know, it, uh, it, those, those big orchestra ones, quite often, they just do not work right. in things outside of that world because they're, they're all sloppy and tuning's weird and all that kind of thing.
0: That's interesting. Uh, there, there is one other... Um, I, the, I don't know if you remember a company called Audio Impressions, a guy called uh, Chris Stone. He made uh, something called Davisi Strings, which I remember seeing at Nam a few times. And it was, when you hear oh, him yeah. play... He is a really interesting fellow um, and he created it. I mean, it was incredible. It was like five grand, but it came, it, you know, came with its own computer and it had this all this really clever um rules and panning and all and that's i'm hearing him play that just really kind of blew my mind but that was very much a lot but you could work with larger or smaller arrangements Uh, that was pretty yeah
3: you would need to understand how it worked though yes i I I think you i can take an electric guitar and i can program fairly convincing sounding guitars because i know when i'm i know when i'm playing certain strings together or you could never do that because you can't play this string and that string and that note and that note at the same time so you just stop the notes and then it all starts to sound more uh, if you stop the notes in the right places it starts to sound more believable and you leave the notes that would naturally ring on a guitar in place then it starts to sound like oh hang on this sounds like a guitar but uh, but that's because I know how the chords work on a guitar and how the guitar works sure. and how the... You it's, know, that how, not, it's that knowledge,
0: isn't it, that you just can't...
3: Same with a violin. I don't know what... I, actually, if I really thought about it, I probably do. But, I, you know, I wouldn't instinctively know which notes to stop on a violin to make it transition from one thing to the next. So it never sounds believable if I'm doing violins. It's, it just sounds like somebody playing chords on a piano <laughs> with a string down. <laughs>
0: yes interesting stuff
3: well um, uh, but uh, you know that's but that works in some kinds of music doesn't it even and yeah and and it's a sound isn't it 10th strings work in some kind of music and it's a sound but orchestral yes way over my head
0: well interesting stuff but i think that basically the bottom line is uh get some knowledge and learn how it works is probably the best way to do it that's that's really you can't be beaten that's why string arrangers you know really do uh, good decent ones who know how um, to work
3: in recording really I just want to say one more thing about Richard Niles. Richard Niles is a string arranger. That is his job. And he has some crappy old Akai library, which isn't that interesting. And a couple of Akai samplers, or when I worked with him, he did. And and if I played the things, I'd be going, are you really going to use this? And he'd be like, yeah. And then he'd arrange and draw in all the lines and decide where he was going to play and then draw in and change things. And he'd totally bring those crappy sounds to life because he made it sound like an orchestra because he understood how an orchestra worked yeah. and why it worked like that and that is a revelation when you hear somebody who can take a really poor sound set and make it sound like a really you know big like professional, the real thing powerful thing then that's what that's when you realize that it's the the understanding that's what you need and not to just go out and buy another library because yeah. it's the knowledge that not the absolutely you know, and the, i
0: concur uh,
3: um we're um
0: getting to call t- towards half past five I know we had a bit of a late start um but uh i have to get off i've got a bit of christmas shopping to do and this is the last show beforehand unless we could squeeze one in next tuesday i'm not sure about that yet but uh, let's assume not for the time being, we might pull it together, uh, but I want to say thank you very much to everybody for listening. And also, thank you sort of for the year, really, because we won't be back until January. Uh, and I want to say thank you to all for listening and uh, a bit supporting the show, the chat room. And very lots and lots of people in the chat room today. Also, thank you very much to Gaz Williams for doing that fabulous live performance, uh, and, uh, and uh, hopefully you'll enjoy that on YouTube later when I p- post it. So uh, I will say goodbye to all of our guests and wish you all a very merry Christmas. Uh, to you, Rich. I. I hope you have a restful and kind of quiet family time, with a bit of rock and roll thrown in as well when you need it.
4: Thank you. You too. And uh, happy holidays. Merry Christmas to everybody. And let's look forward to some uh, peace in 2015. Absolutely. Yeah. Here, uh, here.
0: And also to you, Robbie. Um, I, I know you're not going. You're not going off to Canada now. Maybe next year, uh, early next year yeah. now, rather than uh, Christmas. So you have got a bit of bit of downtime possibly, eh?
1: yeah finish off all the loose ends that have been hanging around which is good so yeah and well, have a bit of time off
0: excellent well thank you so much for being on the panel so regularly really do appreciate you all so, actually for coming so, in. Yeah, it's it's been fun. so uh yes happy christmas to you and all of yours and also mark tinley thank you also for joining us looking great in your back elf back hat back. Looking good there, going. I think it's
3: that's an ear, isn't it? I've got an ear on my
0: forehead. Why not? It's like some kind of strange sex. Like a isn't third eye. A third ear. It? Yeah, that's I like the, the sound third, of that.
3: Imagine ear. the stereo systems you could create if we had it all had three ears. I've got an idea for that, actually, with binaural heads, but that's another story, and I've been meaning to do it for a couple of years. I will get around to it. Uh, Yes, I like it that Americans say happy holidays. That makes so much more sense to me than Merry Christmas. So I'm going to say happy holidays. Thank you. And thank you for having me. And uh, happy holidays to everyone in the chat room as well. And everyone who listens and everyone else. All excellent <laughs>
0: thank you very much there's the chat room there thank you all in the chat room thank you for your contributions uh, your topics and all of those things we really do appreciate it and uh, i want to say um obviously you know if you want to stay involved i mean there is this uh, a possibility that you could you could win um that creative pack from isotope by uh, downloading the theme tune uh, animation by stephen blacker stephenblacker.com And creating your own score to it, you can submit and uh, the winner will win the Creative Studio and also will be the sound bed to this. Oh, no, it's not that. It's this one, isn't it? It's this very animation here. If I can press it enough times, it comes in. My system is being it's going to go slow. There we are. Come on. Play, play, play. Oh, what the hell, let's forget about it. I'll come back here and we'll come back to it later. But also, I want to say thank you very much to ISO for their continued sponsorship of the show. Been really much appreciated having them. And remember, if you want to uh, enter the competition for this week, I guess we'll be announcing it in a couple of weeks' time. Uh, all you've got to do is tweet a world of sound to at Sonic Nick and at Isotope Inc and you could win Iris 2. And the Isotope Fairy, although she will no doubt be having a Christmas break herself, will bestow it upon you next time. So that's it for this week and uh, this year. Uh, no show next week, no show the week after. Uh, we'll be back the week after that. Thanks, everybody, once again, and we'll see you next time.